Welcome to Harrison Church. Thanks for joining us this week. We hope that you enjoy this week's message from Pastor Elizabeth. Anyway, hear now the word of God as it is proclaimed in Luke chapter 24. But on that first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find a body. And while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all of the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw linen clothes by themselves, and then he went home amazed by what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight. May we be those who live resurrection this day and every day that follows. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. So somebody asked me at the beginning of this week, are you ready? Like, no pressure. Are you ready? It's the Super Bowl of Sundays for the Christian church. Are you ready? And I'm sure, yeah, all right. I got it. I got it. With a little help. It's a huge day for the church. It's a huge day for the world. It is the day that changes everything right time is even measured by before death after death this day has the potential to change all of it and i found it so interesting this week that um holy week got a lot of press did you notice that it was in the news a lot this week because of the burning of notre dame so on monday all of a sudden the world becomes exposed to the events of Holy Week. It was big news. Tragedy does that, right? The cameras rush in and all wanted to show what was going on. And yet what happened, I thought, in many ways, in response to that tragedy, was absolutely beautiful. And the world witnessed it. We had vigils going on and Christians lighting candles and singing songs of praises, even as the church smoked in ruins. And we had people praying and we had folks donating money and and the community rallied, not just the citizens of Paris, but the whole global community, religious and otherwise, wanting in some way to be part of making the event better. Restoration in the face of destruction. And, and, And in many ways, 
beauty rose up out of the ashes. Did you see the picture of the cross on the altar amidst all the black charred remains? And then beneath the cross was a Pieta, the mother of Christ, Mary, holding Christ just off the cross. And again, in the midst of destruction, we began to see glimpses of new life, glimpses of people making a difference. And I loved what one of the priests that was interviewed said. His name is Father O'Brien. I love that good Catholic Irish name. And Father O'Brien said that what happened on Monday and the days following was in a way the metaphor for Christianity. That out of destruction comes hope. And out of seemingly death of a sacred place comes new life. And it was big news. It was big news. The Super Bowl of Sundays had their prelude, had their pregame show, right? Huge for the world, right? Unless it's not. Big news of Easter, unless it is not. Big news of the faith, unless it's not. Big news for believers, unless it's not. I find it so interesting that this big news because it becomes dependent on just a few people. Mary shows up in the garden and she encounters an empty tomb. Big news, unless she kept her mouth shut. Unless the fear, natural as it was, that she experienced in those moments, unless that fear overcame the moment and she kept her mouth shut. And for some reason, I think we began to get a glimpse of exactly what it means when God engages us to do the work of God in this world. It's big news. If the people of faith get on board and get active. Mary believed, no doubt. She saw it with her own eyes. Mary had faith, no doubt. It was there. She experienced it firsthand. And yet, unless Mary put hands and feet and voice to what she experienced in the, in the new life of Christ... It could have stayed in the garden. And I think what the message is then is that God has enlisted even the likes of us to be part of what God wants to do. Now don't hear me saying that it's all up to us. God's going to get a witness even if you and I sit back and do nothing. But... God wants us on board. God wants a resurrection to make a difference in our lives. God wants a resurrection not just to be something we sing about and praise about. God wants a resurrection to be something that we too live. Because if the good news is going to change this world, which indeed is what God intends, then we are called to be part of it. And if we don't do it, we miss out. Surely others will proclaim and go forth and put their faith into action. But if we don't do it, we are the ones who miss out on how God intends to change this world. God, for some reason, has seen fit to make us part of resurrection living so that this tale remains idle no longer. I love that language. It's just an idle tale from a bunch of women. Not anymore. Because people put hands and feet and voice to the faith 
they encountered there in that garden. It could have ended on Good Friday. The smell of death was heavy in the garden. The women had gone that early morning. The spices were prepared. They went to the garden expecting one thing. They'd seen Jesus be placed in the tomb. They knew what had happened. They'd been there. And so they go to the garden with their spices and all prepared to take care of Christ's body. And they encounter something they never could have expected. They encountered something that they couldn't have dreamed up on their own. Who could think of that? Who could come up with resurrection save God? And so the transition of what God is doing in this world began to take shape. The transition began to take shape as those who come to the empty tomb bring with us expectations that God absolutely defies. God will not be contained by an empty grave or the smallness of our minds. And we come with our expectations of how things should be, how we expect things to be. And we seem somewhat contained. We have our spices. We're ready. And yet God does something wholly different. And please, God, let us get on board with you. Because we think so small. And we think our preparations are enough. And they are absolutely not. Because the spirit. Spirit of God gets involved and captures the attention of the women and then captures the attention of the entire world. And we begin to realize that God defies all explanation, that God encounters our expectations and takes them far beyond. Life is so much more than we could come up with on our own when we have the faith and put hands and feet and voice to what God is doing in this world. I love it. What a gift that for some reason God sees fit to work through me and you and all of us. So the women go running from the tomb. We know this story. They have this idle tale. And they take it with them to the disciples. And the disciples hear the good news. And you know what they're thinking. These women are just too emotional. Yes, they are. And it's good news. They come to the disciples with this idle tale. And they share with the disciples the good news that Jesus is no longer there. The disciples have a hard time believing it. Just like the women did. They were no different. The women had a hard time grasping what had happened, even there in the garden, even as they experienced it firsthand. They had to be reminded by the angel in dazzling white exactly what was going on. And the angel said, Why are you looking for the living among the dead, ladies? Why are you expecting the living among the dead? I have transformed this world, and so go and tell everybody you meet, starting with the disciples. And so the women, again, go with this great news, encounter the guys, and they just can't believe it. Gossip, emotional chatter, resurrection, and Peter thinks to himself, well, I'm going to check it out. 
I'm going to see what's going on. I'm going to discover for myself what it is that has happened here in this, in this garden. I'm going to go and I'm going to find out and we'll see what happens. And so we know the story. He goes and he encounters the empty tomb also. And the resurrection begins to take hold of his heart. And together those first witnesses begin to relearn and repurpose and refocus. And in so doing, the world is transformed in ways that we certainly couldn't have come up with on our own. No longer does death have the final word. No longer does destruction take precedent over creation. God is going to get a witness and do something new and exciting, even in the likes of us. And God shakes it up in marvelous ways, saying enough with your small expectations. I want nothing left than nothing less than resurrected living in you and in all who you meet. Because faith, as great and as important as it is, faith or belief isn't enough to change the world. It's just not. Unless, of course, it compels us to act and to lead a garden where we expected death into new life and carry that message to others. That's what changes the world. And that is what is absolutely, absolutely possible. Because God said it was so. And God did not leave Jesus in that tomb. And Christ was risen that first Easter morning. Now, like anybody, I'm often tempted to just let things lie. Let them be. The world is too complicated. It takes too much effort, too much energy. We're realistic, right? We all know that this world is not as it should be. We all know that things aren't as God would have them be. And so do we let ourselves step back and think that the job is just too big for the likes of us? Mary didn't think so. (laughs) She didn't have a whole lot to work with, except for the power of the Spirit. Do we step back and think that the job is too big, and and why would God use fallible people like us? Why would God seek to enlist us? Why would God put the power of resurrection in our hearts, our heads, our hands, our feet, our voice? Why on earth would God do that with the likes of us? Well, the disciples didn't have a lot to work with. Look what they did. Because of the power of the Spirit, that empty grave meant that the Spirit had let loose and enveloped and engaged and enlivened and emboldened and empowered the likes of us. It's so easy this day and age to think that hate may get the upper hand. And sometimes we fear hate more than we trust love, God forbid. Sometimes we think that, that evil, perhaps, in whatever way you define it, in whatever way you've encountered it, sometimes we think that evil is just the way the world works, and we tend to let ourselves off the hook for making a difference. Resurrected people in this life, resurrected people know that that empty tomb makes a difference. And we know that the enlistment of Mary and Martha and the, Mary and uh, Joanna and the other women and the disciples, we know that that means that we too 
have been enlisted to say no when something's wrong and to act otherwise. Ours is a God of life. Ours is a God of new beginnings. Ours is a God that defies expectations and calls us to do the same, to engage in justice and oppression. God won't have it. Not the God who comes out of a tomb. And sometimes, again, I think we let ourselves off the hook. We just can't do it, Lord. It's too hard. There's too much. And we walk away shaking our heads. That's not how the Spirit seeks to enlist us. How the Spirit asks us to make a difference. And if God can raise Jesus from the dead, God can get in me and propel me forward in his name to encounter the world as it is, but not to dare leave it that way. And where we go, new life is to be experienced. And when we speak, hope is to be articulated. And as we proclaim in our lives and our actions, folks, hopefully, please God, will know that the impossible is possible and that love does indeed have the last word. Death, destruction, evil, oppression, injustice, God counters that in and through us. And says, no more. Let us be those who leave this garden to change the world. Nothing less. I find it so interesting that God shows up and God gets a witness in, in some really incredible ways. And you know, this week as we were watching, like I said, Notre Dame burn. And, and all of a sudden it seemed as if the world rallied behind this huge historic cathedral. And pledges were made, and the government said they'd rebuild, and, and donations came pouring in, $300 million, I think, in one week, came pouring in to restore this beautiful church. And yet, one of the, I can't remember his name, he was a journalist who thought, you know, all of this money is coming pouring in to Notre Dame. Nothing wrong with that. Let's get on board. Let's say no in the face of destruction. That's absolutely a witness. But what about the three African-American churches in Louisiana that were subject to hate and that were burned in a racist act? What about those churches? Who's going to rebuild them? And the resurrected God got a little wedge into our week. And this um, journalist tweeted something about the churches. And within 36 hours, those three churches had almost $2 million. The people of God said no. Probably some folks who didn't even know about God said no. And yet God was going to have God's way for new life. Please, God, help us get on board. When you do something amazing, when you stand up through us and say, absolutely not. Can you imagine being so young and so filled with hate that you would burn three historic African-American churches? The people of God said, no, not on our watch. It took a little prodding, but we got there. And this is new life. This is what the empty tomb asks of us. The empty tomb compels us to be part of God changing this world. Nothing more, nothing less. 
What are we going to do? How are we going to respond? How is it that we are going to practice resurrection? How is it that empty tomb is going to make a difference in this world through us? Well, that's where we are. And we can't shake our heads and walk away, not when Christ came out of that tomb. Not when that idle tale became a proclamation that the world still is trying to understand. I put this um, poem in your, your bulletins, and it's by a poet named Wendell Berry. It's not about an angry farmer. If you look at the title, it's the Mad Farmer Liberation Front. It's not about an angry farmer at all. It's about how we as God's people encounter this world and practice resurrection. And so in this poem, Wendell Berry says, gives us several suggestions. He says, every day do something that won't compute. Love somebody who doesn't deserve it. That's practicing resurrection. Encounter this world. Make it a better place. Ask questions that have no answers. Plant sequoias. Invest in the millennia. That is practicing resurrection. Have joy even when the facts tell you otherwise. I love that. That's resurrection. Have joy even though you've considered all the facts. Even though you know the way this world is. Have joy anyway. Because that tomb is empty. Because God has seen fit to enlist the likes of us. Encounter this world with resurrection. Practice resurrection. I like, he says, be like the fox and run in all different directions going nowhere. Just to shake things up. Sometimes the poets get it right. And take this monumental, historic, spiritual event and tell us what to do with it. Practice resurrection. Be part of making this world more as God wants it to be. Making this world just a little more holy. Just a little more embraced by the love of God. Do what God has called us to do. Practice resurrection. Change it all up. Be the difference that God is making in this world. God help us. There's a big job out there. God help us, because if we don't do it, who will? The tomb is empty, Christ is risen, and we get to be part now of the resurrection story. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, you ask a lot of us, you ask us to stand up when others would rather we sit down. You ask us to confront this world when it is way off track. You ask us to offer love in the face of hate. You ask us to offer kindness in the face of anger. Lord, we couldn't do it save for the resurrection, save for the fact that you have made possible what seems impossible, save for the fact that you bring new life not just on Easter morning, but on every morning. Transform our hearts, our minds, and then embolden and empower our faith so that we can be part of transforming this world for Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray.